0: This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. So, hi everyone! I'm Alice, the social media manager for Jubilance, and today I'm talking with Charlotte Coyle. Charlotte is a current student at George Mason University studying forensic psychology and very active in the the end-the-period tax movement. Um, She's a legislative intern on Capitol Hill for Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, who's actually a co-sponsor on the Menstrual Equality for All Act that we'll be asking Charlotte about later. Um, Charlotte has studied mental health and how it functions in the prison systems and will be volunteering at the Fairfax Detention Center. She's interested in seeing how federal and state mental health policy can be reformed. This amazing girl does it all. She's also part of the GMU Democrats, the Fairfax Democrats, and the GMU Pride Alliance. We're so happy to get to talk to her today. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Yeah, so we're just going to start off with some like fun questions. Um, What is your favorite food?
1: Uh, Anything Italian, definitely. (laughs) I love pasta, um, especially puttanesca. It's like this sauce. My mom used to make it for me all the time when I was little. It has like olives, capers, garlic, onions in it. Super good, definitely my favorite by far. <laughs> that
0: sounds so good. Do you have a favorite um, restaurant in the city, in D.C.?
1: Um, it's not restaurant per se, like I honestly go to more coffee shops than I do restaurants. Okay, cool. It's kind of like my side hobby, is I, I try to find all the best like local coffee shops. Ooh. Um, probably my favorite in this area, in like Fairfax, uh, is Caboose Commons. Huh. It's this old warehouse, It's like a three-story warehouse, they turned into like a brewery slash coffee house and they also have really good food. So it's a great place to study because you can get like a coffee or a beer and like a sandwich. It's really good.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Caboose Commons. So yep. everyone in Fairfax should go. Yes, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you watching on TV right now?
1: Um, I kind of go back and forth between either like comedies or like detective serial killer type of stuff <laughs> I watched, of uh, yeah completely different but I watched a show differently um like or, or recently on Netflix called Broadchurch uh it's like a oh British God, it's so good have you seen it yes yes I love it yeah I watched that recently so good and like season three of Atypical just came out I don't know if you've seen Atypical I have seen that one it's about, like, a guy in college with autism, and he's kind of, it's kind of, it's a comedy, but it's also, like, about him, like, getting through, like, college and life and everything, and it's really good, so I'm, like, super excited that the third season just came out.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's your must-have in your
1: purse? Um, if you could tell, red lipstick. <laughs> that's, like, my essential item I have to have. I have, like, several different shades of red lipstick, oh, actually. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: what's your, um, what's your favorite book you're reading right now?
1: Oh, right now, let's see, uh, I just got a James Patterson novel, like, first edition James Patterson novel, because um, I love, like, mystery kind of stuff, and it, it's called Step on the Crack, um, and it's kind of about, like, it's actually, has, it's in, D- in D.C., and it's about, like, a lot of, like, powerful politicians and then like things going on behind the scenes and it's like a thriller kind of but it's it's (laughs) good.
0: oh wow that that sounds fun and so fun to read about it when you're like living in that city so you kind of like yeah
1: yeah like a different take
0: oh that's cool (laughs) um yeah can you talk about moving to dc um you said you 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 grew up in houston and then you went to school and then transferred to GMU. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that journey?
1: Yeah, so I actually, I grew up in Louisiana. Actually, I I was born in Baton Rouge, um, and I moved to Houston during high school. Um, But yeah, so I went to college in Houston for my first two years at Lone Star, and I ended up transferring up here, kind of just for a lot of different reasons, mainly uh, because of their forensic psychology program at George Mason is really good. And it's kind of like a unique field, so like it's hard to find a school that like offers courses in that. So that was cool that they had that. And then also just the proximity to D.C. was important for me because I've always been really involved in politics. And um, like I did a lot of activist things in Houston, but there's so much here. And um, and interning in D.C. as well is like a great opportunity. That's kind of what brought me up here.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And what made you want to study forensic psychology?
1: Uh, So, I mean, I've always been interested in the criminal justice system and and how it works or doesn't work a lot of the time. Um, I used to want to go into criminal law, actually, but then as I got more into psychology, I've done a lot of research into like the mental health uh, system within the criminal justice system and like how lacking it is really. I mean, it's really an issue because a lot of uh, like, there's not a lot of funding for it, even within like the community in general, but especially within the criminal justice system, both like the, the state, federal and local governments do not give enough funding to be able to take care of people. And what happens a lot of the time, sadly, is that especially like in Houston, for example, the Harris County Jail has become the largest mental health facility in Texas. Um, which wow. because a lot of the hospitals and facilities in the communities have had to close down or significantly reduce their size due to the lack of funding, and they just can't keep it up and they can't hire enough people to staff them. And it's very sad because people will be in and out of jail all the time for nonviolent offenses, things like trespassing or stealing, especially like with like drug substance abuse related problems. And those often overlap with mental illnesses, so you have people that are in need of several different forms of treatment, just sitting in jail, not charged with anything, but they don't want to just send them back out on the street, but then they call up a mental health hospital and they're like, okay, well, it's going to be average 160-day wait to get them in here. Yeah, that's the average time. 160-day wait? Yeah, that's the average time in Texas. And so they're sitting in jail for 160 plus days not charged with anything and not getting the treatment they need. That's insane. Yeah. And so and some finding out those kind of things through like research and talking to people was like, wow, okay, we have a lot of work to do. So that's what made me want to get into forensic psychology. Wow. And
0: what do you want to do with that after school? Um, I know there's, like, different routes you could go down in, like, the politics arena or, like, really working with inmates themselves. Um, Do you have, like, an idea about that yet? Uh, I got the time in the world, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I kind of want to do – I want to conduct a lot uh, more research into, like, how to come up with safe and effective uh, treatments for mental disorders because that's kind of a major problem as well is – I mean, people having to go through several different kinds of medications that often make them worse (laughs) than better when trying to figure out how to treat their, their, uh, their mental disorder and different types of therapies. And so that's one thing I want to do is really focus on the research to how to, how to come up with more effective treatments. And then like going into the criminal justice system, I would really want to work like in, in actual like detention facilities and everything, work with inmates in the courts and really try to like individually help people get the, uh, the resources they need to be able to thrive and have access to opportunities that are often stripped away from people that are involved in the criminal justice system or have, you know, some sort of criminal background.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I really didn't know anything about that. Um, I do, I have heard that it is hard to get feminine products into prisons and like have access for them for, for women.
1: Yes, um, yes. So I mean, really the criminal justice system was built with men in mind as things often are. (laughs) So yeah, so I mean really, you know, women were not really expected to be incarcerated as much when the criminal justice system was being designed course now we have you know increasing numbers every year of women being incarcerated and they honestly just really don't know how to deal with it and you know one of the major things uh, is you know access to these hygiene products as well as uh, pregnant women like I'm sure you've heard about the issues with like shackling pregnant women and all those different things and miscarriages and so there's a lot of issues but yeah receiving like hygiene products every month you know it's something that's a recurring thing we need every month and you know it's either rationed um to where they don't get enough like they might get like three pads a month or something what yeah sometimes yeah Yeah. and uh, and then like or they'll have to go buy them from commissary and they can be four or five dollars for one tampon or one pad and if you you don't have an income unless someone's sending you money. You don't really have an income, so then you can't afford it, and you might just have to go without. And um, and it's really sad because they often don't give them, you know, an extra change of clothes if they bleed through their clothes. They're so, like you're just in those. They oh. don't get extra time to shower outside of your allotted time. And then if you've bled through your clothes, they also won't let you see any visitors. So if your visitors come during that time, you just can't see them. And it's I mean it's awful. It's horrible. So yeah, that's definitely a major issue. Within like the menstrual movement, so. that's insane. Can you talk about
0: how you got involved with the menstrual movement?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the period movement—I kind of just heard about it first, just over social media and everything—and mm-hmm. then I found out that GMU actually has a period movement chapter on campus. And one of my friends, uh, she was involved with them, and I was talking with her, and we ended up like all going to the rally together on National Period Day in front of the Capitol. And um, the founder of period GMU, her name's Shafiq Nassim. He actually spoke at the rally wow. and um, yeah and it was, it was a really, it was a really great day there and I'm trying to get involved with them more now, um, finding out, they're doing a lot of like volunteer things on campus, uh, this weekend I think we're putting together like female hygiene kits to give out to people that wow. they need them. So, yeah.
0: That's wonderful, And you're kind of do so you're also working on Capitol Hill at the same time, you said, um, Mm -hmm. and working for Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, who's um, working on, I'm sorry, what is the word? Um, The Minster Equality for All Act.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you talk
0: a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So working on Capitol Hill has been really, really great. Uh, It's kind of cool to be in like the middle of it all and seeing how it works. Um, One of the coolest things for me is just how much I've learned so far. I've only been working there for a few months but i've already learned so much because i i've gotten to research so many different like any topic you can name basically because current legislation there's just there's so much going on and i kind of have to be well versed in it to be able to like both discuss and write back constituents because that's one main part of my job this is cool yeah so it's really cool to be able to, to talk to people and see what their different perspectives are but yeah so i've learned a lot doing that and then, like, another thing I get to do is attend briefings about, like, just different topics, um, and there's, there's all kinds of people that come and do briefings. I went to one recently that was hosted by Amnesty International, and um, it was about the treatment of trans women in detention facilities, mm. and uh, they had some women there that had recently been released from a detention facility in, like, New Mexico, and they were testifying, talking about their experience, and it was really, like, heart-wrenching Um, because they were treated terribly often trans women are like separated isolated from everyone else there was one woman there who had lost a lot of her teeth um, because she hadn't been given any treatment Um, she had like cavities and things yeah so it's really terrible Um, but it's something it's just you get to really like educate yourself on all these issues that even if i knew about them before maybe i didn't know about them as in depth and like you know it's different from like watching it on the news and then getting to actually be there and like talk to people ask questions talk to people that are making the laws so um it's really cool and then yeah congresswoman garcia is a co-sponsor on the um it's called hr 18 for 1882 sorry the menstrual equity for all act um it was introduced in may in the house um, but it hasn't been brought up for a vote yet it's kind of in committees right now Congresswoman Garcia is on the Judiciary and the Financial Services Committee, which are both uh, working on that bill. And it's basically the bill is trying to increase the affordability and accessibility of menstrual hygiene products to people, uh, to everyone, and to especially people who have limited access. Mm-hmm. So, so the passage of that would ensure that people have free access to those products in schools, in, in detention facilities, and in incarcerated facilities. Uh, That large employers would have to provide them, and that uh, Medicaid would have to cover the cost of those products for everyone that they um, provide for as well, and that all federal public buildings would have to provide those products for free. So a major step in the right direction.
0: That's amazing. I really hope that goes through.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Um, Can you talk about um, what what your definition is for being a woman? I know it's like constantly changing and um, like just minute to minute, but what is it for you right now?
1: Uh, For me, for me, it really is uh, just about like empowering myself and kind of breaking through my own barriers um, and things that as I've grown up, for example, like I grew up in a very Southern Baptist community Mm -hmm. um, and like church and everything. And it was often kind of talked about, you know, as women, is kind of like second class citizens almost um that you know we're we're here to really like nurture and care for other people but not so much really go after our own ambitions and goals was kind of the message that i received a lot when i was younger from like my church and community and it always made me uncomfortable and i never liked that and my whole my whole thing for me anyways being a woman is being able to have ambitions and goals, and fight for fight for myself to be able to do those things, as well as to empower other women to have those opportunities and be able to reach their goals, it's kind of my my main thing. It's kind of like yes. supporting other women. Yeah, Yoss queen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's that's amazing. Um, so I just have like like so if a woman were to ask you on the street for a piece of advice, and you could tell her anything, what would it be?
1: Uh, So this, this is something that I've had to kind of learn the hard way. But I would probably say, learn to put yourself first and love yourself. Because that sounds kind of cliche, but honestly, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, You know, especially like I said, like growing up, Growing up a society that's telling you, you know, you're supposed to care for and look out for others, it kind of almost leaves yourself out of the equation. And to me, you know, it's like, yes, you should care for other people. Yes, you should look out for others. But you need to put yourself first and you need to love yourself because that's if your if your mental health isn't isn't OK, if you're not okay, if you are not okay if you can not support yourself, then nothing else is going to matter anyways so that's that's what I've had to learn kind of growing up is like you have to learn to be there for yourself because at the end of the day you're the only one that's going to support yourself anyways you know so,
0: yeah yeah that's very true that's something I still need to work on
1: yeah. I everyone
0: is working on like yeah. throughout your whole life
1: yeah,
0: it's yeah. Different. <laughs> um Charlotte what's next for you so you have this thing on the Hill, you're, so have you started volunteering at the Fairfax Detention Center yet?
1: Or? I'm going to be starting that soon. Um, oh, wow. yeah, I've met with some people who work there and kind of discussing what I'm going to be doing. So I'm going to be helping like teach classes there, anything from like anger management classes to like impact of crime, to also to draw like job skills, just like mm-hmm. life skills. Um, I'm going to be helping with that. There and hopefully I will be starting within the next few weeks. Been um, discussing that. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good program they have there. And our our sheriff in Fairfax County, her sheriff Kincaid, she just got reelected like last week. So, oh. <laughs> but she actually started up this program and started up like a court in Fairfax County that's meant specifically to kind of redirect um, nonviolent offenders to like treatment and care or group homes if needed rather than sending them to jail, which is amazing. And we need that in like every county across the country. So she's done a really good job with that. And um, that's kind of part of the program that I'm going to be helping with. So.
0: Oh, that's amazing, Charlotte. Wow. Yeah, I look forward to hearing more about it and like seeing what you're up to on social media. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners?
1: Uh, I'd like to say, let's see, a couple of things. Great. One, uh, always put your mental health first. It's kind of what I was touching on, but that, yes, that is so important. It's underrated in, um, in our society for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, always put it first. If you need to not hang out with your friends for a day or even not go to work for a day, do it, you know, give yourself time. Um, that's very important. And then, second of all, I'd like to say to everyone that's listening: reach out to your representatives. Look up your local representatives. You know, email them, call them, or do both, and ask them to please uh, co-sponsor and vote for HR 1882, Menstrual Equity for All Act. Because as we've talked about, it's very important to ensure that all those who menstruate, whether you know in school and work or behind bars, are treated equitably and able to receive these products that they need. So just please do that. And also continue to fight for change and equality and never stop, <laughs> never stop fighting. So <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> thank you so much for being on today. Um it was so nice to get to talk to you.
1: Yeah, you too.